I've actually been on an interview where it was like a part three board exam and I actually <laughs> had to do a case. Uh, I, had to, I had to work up a case and I had to write out a diagnosis and write up a management plan. Say, this is how I, I would actually approach this. Wow. You know, because again, these were, these were hiring people who had good relationships and needed to make sure that anybody they brought on board had the diagnostic capability and acumen to actually meet Do it. the old and rigors of their practice. Welcome back to The Prospecting Show, where each week we talk about tips, tricks, and methods for growing an amazing small business pipeline. I'm your host, Dr. Connor Robertson, and on this podcast, you can expect segments on communication, sales, prospecting, and closing. Thank you to everyone who has supported my 100 episodes and 100 days goal going into 2020. Enjoy the show. But certainly when it comes to higher education, you know, there, there is this, uh, there is almost this default where if a student just gets that piece of paper at the end, you know, you're good to go. Right, so- right. And I think that's a, that's a false, a false security though, for a lot of people, right? I think at the end of the day, a lot of people go through programs and say, well, I'm getting this piece of paper and it, it affords me some opportunity. And I, and I would, I would almost argue today that depending on what industry you're in, your opportunity is all built on what you do every day. There are more people making millions of dollars online, solving huge problems that have never been to any education, right? You got the the Elon Musks of the world and some of these brilliant minds that have never actually gone through the system. And that might be an extreme, but at the end of the day, do you think that education, formal education is always the answer? Or do you think it's the pursuit of learning more that matters? You know, I I can't remember who it was, but I, 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 I heard recently about this uh, gentleman who took an entire four year MIT program all online in like a year and a half or something, something ridiculous. Sure. And he actually taught himself how to do all of the coding and basics. And, you know, he, like he, he did it, he, he went through it and he did it. Now, what he got out of that was the skills to actually write everything and do the computer language and such. But what he didn't get was the piece of paper saying that he graduated from MIT. Sure. So, so there's, so there's still this, you know, I think there's a, we're in a transition, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that piece of paper from a college absolutely said you should be hired. Right. But we've inflated higher learning so much that, you know, having an advanced degree is more the norm than the exception. Right. And when you over, when you have an overabundance of what we qual- typically call qualified applicants, you know, you have to come up with some way to vet them or right, some other metric, right? Some, some measurable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what we're seeing at least, so I, I can speak personally with my field in chiropractic and you know, what we're seeing is that um, interviewers are becoming much more sophisticated with their hiring techniques. So they'll actually ask interviewees. And, and again, I hear this all the time because as, as an instructor, my students are coming back and telling me, this is what happened on my job interview and this doc had me do this. And, you know, so, and, you know, and certainly at the time when I was looking for employment, you know, I've been through that drill a few times. So, you know, what we're really seeing is kind of, kind of three different ways in which it, it, interviewers are looking for quality candidates. One is, can you do the skills that we need you to do? For us, it's, can you do an adjustment? You right, know, right. Can you actually perform it? So they want to see that skill actually in action. Uh, the second is knowledge-based. Do you know what we need you to, to know? I've actually been on an interview where it was like a part three board exam and I actually had to do a case. 
uh, I, had to, I had to work up a case and I write out the diagnosis and write up a management plan. So this is how I, I would actually approach this. Wow. You know, because again, these, these were, these were hiring people who had good relationships and needed to make sure that anybody they brought on board had the diagnostic capability and acumen to actually meet Do the old yeah. and rigors of their practice. And then the third, uh, the third one is, you know, you, you get somewhere in between where they're not as interested in, you know, your mental abilities or your, your demonstrative practical abilities, but now they want to know if, are you a good fit for, for the office? And that's right. something that we haven't really touched on yet is a lot of hires, you know, especially if it, like in, in, in small businesses, they're going to hire you more on a personality match right. than they necessarily will on a skills match because some offices and some professions will say, well, I can teach you some of these skills. I know that you're minimally proficient, but I'll get you the rest of the way. What I want to know is, am I going to be happy when I come to work every day? <laughs> right, right. And that's important, right? You yeah. hear about culture, startup companies. A lot of them are looking at, well, how can I create a better environment for, for the office, for the people, the graduates that are coming there? And it's interesting you bring that point up. And I'm not sure if I've ever even told you this, but my parents own a executive recruitment firm and have been doing that for 20 years, hiring people for these corporations. And I would say more now than ever, especially in healthcare, because that's what they focus on, people are definitely hiring on what you're talking about, which is that personality driven. We've had uh, people who are amazing fits on paper, amazing fits in their accolades or their achievements over the last few years. And the hiring managers are looking at that and saying, yeah, but the personality of this individual doesn't fit our team. They are definitely qualified. They got lots of experience. They have lots of achievements, but they just don't fit our personality. And for that reason, we're going to pass. Mm -hmm. And I think personally, I look at that and go, holy smokes, this is changing massively because back in the day, it used to be, you have the resume and you could almost hire right off the resume. And that was the way it is. But now it's all these soft skills, these different interactions. Am I going to enjoy going to work? And you're seeing all these degrees that have no terminal fate. Whereas chiropractic's like, you go to school, you get the chiropractic degree to become a chiropractor or something in chiropractic for the most part there are lots of other degrees that you can go a million different ways. And so when you look at other people who've chosen degrees before chiropractic, what do you think the, the greatest success is in for those people? Is there a specific degree or specific background that you think makes great physicians, maybe chiropractic, maybe PT, maybe anyone that you've really seen? Is there a specific degree that you would, you would attribute to that? Um, I, I actually wouldn't, you know, personally. I, I think what ends up making the good physician is some of a lot of those soft skills that often get overlooked in uh, formal teaching um, environments, you know, um, empathy, humor, compassion, right. um, just personality, friendliness, you know, eventually people learn to be good diagnosticians and, you know, they, they figure out what the, you know, what the algorithms for healthcare are. But if you like what, what I think I would define success in healthcare as not somebody who only treats the disease, but can also treat the person. Right, right. And, and, that's, and that's an interesting point too, because you see a lot of these clinics now, especially in the chiropractic space, you have this dichotomy of the, the straights and the mixers or whatever you want to call it, right? The very original chiropractic, adjust the spine only, and then the mixers more in that rehab functional space, muscle kind of physical therapy kind of tie in rehab kind of, you know, togetherness. And you see this dichotomy right now because you have the graduates who 30 years ago started practicing and then you have the, the new age docs. 
how do you see the profession or just healthcare in general transitioning? Because there's a lot of professions that have that that um, dichotomy, right? Even cardiology is a perfect example. Like, you know, back a few years ago, it was more about what's the right medication and what's, you know, what's your blood pressure and all this. Now it's, there, there's some transition that's looking at what's your lifestyle, what's your stress, what's your work environment, what's your exercise. Like you're looking at these more holistic, whole type solutions. Where do you see that going long-term? Do you think everyone's going to go into that kind of mindset or you think there's going to be this dichotomy still of old school and new school? Well, you know, as as current evidence continues to come out, what, what, we, what we're seeing time and time again is that the best approaches to healthcare are always a multidisciplinary, multimodal approach. So I, I think the most successful treatments for patients, you know, down the road are going to be those that are best able to integrate as many services as possible uh, to really best care for their patients. Right. As a summary for this segment, technical skills are great, but personality and culture have a lot to do with how successful you're going to be long term because people work with other people. They don't just work with skills. Situations might be uncomfortable, but if you develop those soft skills over time, that can really help you launch a career into something next. You have to look at the opportunities that you have right now and the opportunities you could potentially have in the future and decide whether or not it's more risky to stay in what you have or is it more risky to jump for something in the future? Don't fall victim to a wrong fit. Make sure that you're having a great experience. And if it's not right for you, don't feel like you have to continue to do it. Make that change, improve yourself, improve your lifestyle, and improve the outcomes. 